Warning, spoilers ahead. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Direct Connect with Archer. My name is Leonard Chamberlain, managing partner with Archer, joined by Jeff Johnson and John Radiman. Gentlemen, please introduce yourselves. Sure. Uh, my name is Jeff Johnson. I'm a senior cybersecurity consultant with Archer, uh, celebrating my one-year anniversary, and I was basically baptized with Star Wars in 1977 and have been a lifelong fan ever since. Hi, I'm John Radiman. I'm a, the, uh, a senior security and compliance consultant uh, for Archer, and uh, my Star Wars experience is I have, don't have a, as many memories from as a kid, but I definitely got deep into Star Wars in my, in my later years, in my 20s and 30s, when the, uh, when the prequels came out. So, um, yeah, looking forward to the, to the discussion here and seeing if I can have a little bit more of a contrarian point of view without having a lot of the, uh, um, the original trilogy uh, knowledge to, to stand on. Sure, of course. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate y'all making the time to chat today. Um, I, too, am a lifelong Star Wars fan, as you can see by this life-size General Grievous back here. Um, but um, I won't get into all of my uh, costumes and whatnot that I have. But um, as you may have guessed, based on comments that uh, Jeff and John have, have said, uh, this will be a Star Wars-themed direct connect in honor of May the 4th. So may the 4th be with you. Uh, today we're going to talk about um, Return of the Jedi in honor of its 40th anniversary uh, this month. Um, 40 years ago since Return of the Jedi came came out. That's uh, quite amazing to realize we're, we're getting up there in age uh, along with our beloved saga. Um, but uh, we thought it would be uh, fun to, to use Return of the Jedi to uh, illustrate some of the um, vulnerabilities that we work to defeat every day through security and compliance, uh, highlight some of the uh, plot points and scenes from the movie that uh, we feel uh, are good uh, representations of, of those vulnerabilities. Um, warning, spoilers ahead. So... Uh, Hopefully you've seen the movie by now. It's uh, re-released in the theaters for its 40th uh, anniversary. So check it out if you haven't yet. Um, but uh, but with that, we'll we'll get started. Um, the the movie opens with um, you know uh, Empire Strikes Back episode five ended with with a cliffhanger with uh, Han Solo being frozen in carbonite and um, you know Boba Fett hauling him off to. Uh, Job of the Hutt, and so our, our episode six, Return of the Jedi, uh, opens with our heroes trying to to rescue their friend Han from the vile clutches of the gangster Job of the Hut, or something like that. How the opening crawl um, sets the stage. Um, but right off the bat, we see some uh, social engineering take place for. Um, you know, our heroes gaining access to, to Jabba's palace. Um, Luke uh, initially uh, gifts the droids to Jabba, um, you know, as a, as a token 
and um, it, you know, initially they seemed like a gift. You know, what is what is Luke doing, right? But but later, as the 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 opening um, scenes progress, you see that um, you know they were sent in kind of as a mole, not C three PO so much, but uh, definitely R two D two. Jeff, John, any any thoughts on this? Yeah, I think if Jabba had had better endpoint security protection, then he could have done a scan on R2-D2 and detected the uh, the lightsaber that was hidden in there as the, as the Trojan horse uh, payload that ultimately came out and, and helped contribute to his doom. Yeah, I was just going to say, stateful packet inspection. Always know what's writing inside your encapsulation packets, right? Um <laughs> What jumps to my mind right off the bat um, is the strength of your uh, background and personnel process, right? Um, you've got Lando skulking around uh, dressed as one of his guards. You know, clearly, he uh, passed his PRA and his background check, but, uh, you know, his, his background check process must have had a little uh, kinks here and there. And then, of course, your visitor control program, you know, how did uh, Leia manage to sneak a thermal detonator right inside the palace walls, right? So the importance of, a, of, a, of an adequate background check and visitor control program just cannot be underestimated in his palace at this point. Yeah, yeah. And to the, the visitor control point, I mean, not only did she sneak in with a thermal detonator, but then everybody goes to sleep and she's left to roam free in the physical security perimeter that is the the palace you um, never leave your escort yeah <laughs> <laughs> well the escort left her right <laughs> right um but um yeah so that that leads straight to uh you know her um sneaking off in the middle of the night unescorted and and uh freeing han from the carbonite you know Jabba's favorite wall decoration is now no more. Um, but yeah, the, the background check, that's another thing. You know, you got to know who's working for you. Um, you know, just because um, Lando met the job description of scoundrel, you know, hopefully they, they did more of a background check than that for uh, being one of the, the palace guards. So yeah, so so they, they escape uh, Jabba the Hutt and... Um, then uh then we learn that um the there's a new death star and um the the rebel alliance needs to to blow it up again so they're uh trying to figure out how they're going to gain access to to uh to the station and they decide again to use social engineering as kind of a a way in and sneak past the uh the blockade that's surrounding the the death star and the planet um, and land on the forest moon of Endor to um, try to sabotage the shield generator that's protecting the death star so that their fighters can then attack it. Right. So, so they've stolen this Imperial shuttle, which again, you know, social engineering, we've, we've got a, a code, it's an older code, but apparently it checked out. Um, and that's that's uh, that's all that the, the empire needs, and uh, lets them straight in. So it's kind of uh, interesting how quickly and easily they were able to um, sneak past the the guards. Yep. And I was thinking, you know, the the iconic scene that I think about prior to them actually 
absconding the shuttle and, and, and making that you know, historic landing is the scene where Mon Mothma talks about the critical mistake that the emperors made, right? And that many Bothan spies died to obtain the technical readouts of the second station, which they learn is not yet fully constructed. Talk about a damaging leak of BCSI, right? Always try to contain your critical information. You know, don't let the Bothans get it because how embarrassing the second time around, we now know some of the vulnerabilities especially when the entire superstructure is exposed. I mean, let's try to think about securing your facility, you know, before it's actually built, maybe. <laughs> yeah, the uh, after-action report and lessons learned from that initial destruction, obviously, uh, they didn't pay too much attention to that. So, you know, mm -hmm. your first, first Death Star blows up because you leave a small thermal exhaust port you know, it's only two meters wide, but, you know, and apparently was ray shielded, but uh, proton torpedoes, uh, you know, a bullseye hit to that, you know, starts a chain reaction, the whole thing blows up. Well, to your point, the entire superstructure of the second one is exposed. Forget about the one in a million shot, you know, to, to hit the exhaust port, just fly straight into it and, you know, blow it up from the inside. Yep. Yeah, that's. Um... They definitely were not applying their security controls to their test and dev environments. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that, their designated storage repository on Scarif was a nightmare. I mean, just they just weren't doing a good job of controlling that critical information. Stay on target. We're supposed to talk about Return of the Jedi, not Rogue One. <laughs> True. <laughs> Yeah, but um, you know, before the jumping ahead to the to the Death Star being blown up uh, again, uh, the 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 rebels land on on Endor and uh, immediately encounter the uh, the natives of of the moon, uh, the Ewoks, and so they're able to to team up with them and show them, you know, hey, don't try to go in the front door. There's a back door that's much uh, less protected. I think there was what three three biker scouts or something, four mm -hmm. scouts and three bikes uh, protecting their back door. So from a physical security perspective, you know, they're, they're attacking the, um, you know, an alternate, alternate entrance, you know, the path of least resistance, the one that's least secured. But, um, you know, if it's, if it's the same facility, the same target, you know, that demonstrates that you should probably ensure that all of your, uh, access points are, you know, equally secure. With port protections in place so that you can't use an astromech to open the door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true. But at any rate, uh, you know, then the, the movie progresses and the, the, the rebels are found out. It was a trap, right? It was a trap! Um, and uh, then, you know, they're in the middle of fighting the Empire on, on, in the forest, um, the Ewoks quickly demonstrate that, uh, you know, again, this, this principle of physical security and, and attacking the weak point. Um, you've got these uh, scout walkers, the ATSTs, the chicken, chicken walkers, as they're called. Uh, you know, they attack the chicken legs um, with, uh, with logs and, and other uh, non-technical, um, you know, means of attacking. Uh, so it's very interesting to see this concept of a, a 
a technologically inferior force, uh, overwhelming, uh, you know, a, a superior technical force with with physical based attacks. I think that the the empire just wasn't using the right tools for their job for their environment. Like it's similar to applying IT tools in an OT environment when it may not be the the best best tool for the job, the best fit. You have something that is walking on two legs in a rocky environment. That's not going to be something that's conducive to something that maybe you would need to have something on on tank treads or something that you can navigate a little better. So they they definitely were not scoping their infrastructure to fit their needs. Mm-hmm. And and I would argue that their threat and vulnerability assessment process needed a little work too. I mean, we know that the the fleet was massing your solace, but I don't think they really truly understood, you know, the magnitude of what was coming their way with the false sense that they had covered all their vulnerabilities in the form of the shield on Endor. Uh, you know, you, you can't rest your laurels on the defense in depth concept that you have. You have to constantly be updating your threat and vulnerability assessments, right? Nobody tried to figure out that if you blow up that bunker, you take the shield out. Well, you know, there goes your defense against the rebel fleet. Yeah, their, their incident response plan uh, did a poor job of practicing a, a reportable incident, right? <laughs> exactly. They weren't ready for it. They were like, well, we've got, we've got the suit for Star Destroyer, the executor, you know, the flagship of the fleet here and uh, all these other Star Destroyers, and we'll be fine. Uh, oh, and, you know, by the way, we, we have a fully armed and operational battle station. So... <laughs> That is a ginormous cup you have there, Mr. Johnson. For a ginormous fan. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so Han, uh, again, uses social engineering. You know, uh, Chewbacca steals one of the the scout walkers and then he throws on a a helmet and a shirt and jumps on on the camera from the cockpit and says, you know, hey, the rebels have been routed and... You know, they're going into the forest. We need reinforcements to continue the pursuit. And they're like, oh, wow, open the back door. <laughs> you know, and yep. there you go. They're back in there, blow up the shield generator, and then the shield's down, and they could commence the attack, that uh, attack that superstructure that was exposed that we talked about earlier. And, you know, again, going back to your incident response plan, at least dedicate a smaller, or I guess you would say a a, a better subset of your interceptors, right, to at least try to form a perimeter defense around the superstructure rather than sending, you know, two or three in. <laughs> any other uh, any other thoughts about Return of the Jedi? Examples that we might have missed from, from anywhere in the movie? I can't think of any. I mean, we've really covered, we've covered four, we've covered six, we've covered seven, we've covered eight, we've covered nine, we've covered ten. Um... Gosh, the only thing I can maybe think of is how could we? Oh, an eleven. We, we got we threw some threw some eleven in there, right? Uh, I'm trying to think of a way to to somehow put SIP two into this. Unfortunately, it it would require expanding beyond Empire's boundaries because if you think about it, you know the identification of it as a critical asset starts all the way in the prequels, right? When uh, Pogder the Lesser holds up his little infrastructure assessment diagram of the original Death Star. So, um, 
but yeah, I can't quite think of anything that could go that stretch. Yeah, when does the the assessment of the Death Star in SIP2 begin? When it's uh, commissioned or when you're in the planning processes? <laughs> when do you have to have all the security controls in place? When, when does that window start? Obviously, mm. too late for for the Empire in that, in that case. That's a good point. That's a really good point. You know, at what point do they declare it fully operational when, again, the superstructure is exposed, they're relying completely on the defense of the shield on Endor, it's incapable of defending itself at that point, apparently, right? Um, who even knows if it was capable of jumping to hyperspace at that point? So, you know, from a, from a SIP-2 perspective, I think you hit it on the head. You know, they failed to adequately define when the, when the security controls for the second Death Star would be applied in their totality. Very true. I mean, you could argue that, uh, you know, they were keeping it under wraps that it was operational. So they didn't do, you know, they skipped some of the steps as far as the commissioning process. Um, maybe they should have taken notice of the fact that the, uh, you know, the most important uh, personnel, i.e. the emperor, was on board. Maybe that should have been uh, a trigger to uh, make sure everything was on schedule. You know, and another thing just came to mind. You'd mentioned social engineering with the with the shuttle Tidarium and its older code checking out. Well, to me, that speaks to a terrible password management procedure. You know, we needed to update those passwords much sooner than than actually what happened. Right. So, with a better password management system in place the code wouldn't have checked out end of game i'm pretty sure they had some turnover there and their their sip 4 r5 procedures for for ecoms and, and high bcs uh, password resets should have kicked in by then yep yeah again terrible threat assessment terrible cyber vulnerability assessments they really needed to up their game I'm thinking the Empire may uh, think of terminating an employee a little differently than the concepts that y'all are, but uh, um, well, you're, no you're correct. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's terrible password management. It sounds like, yeah, they changed them, but all the old ones still work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what sense does that even make? It doesn't. It doesn't. Not even the fact, too, that if you think of it from a supply chain management issue, you know, the Tidarium must have gone missing at some point because the Rebels got their hands on it. You know, perfectly good Lambda-class shuttle. Oh, we just happened to be missing one in our inventory? Uh, huh. Better be doing a better job of managing our inventory. <laughs> Indeed. So, yeah, this was fun. Um, talking about uh, Star Wars and making it work-related. It's always been a dream of mine. So uh, since it's not working at Lucasfilm anytime soon, I, I guess we'll have to make do with May the 4th Direct Connects with Archer. We'll go ahead and wrap it up. Jeff, John, thank you so much for making the time to chat today. This has been another episode of Direct Connect with Archer. And may the 4th be with you. May the 4th be with you. And also with you. Not only is Direct Connect available to listen to, you can also watch each episode on our YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com forward slash at ArcherU. If you're interested in who we are and what we do, you can head on over to our website at archerint.com. 
You can also follow us on our social media platforms, Archer International on Facebook, Archer Energy Solutions LLC on LinkedIn, and at Archer SEC on Twitter. Thanks for listening and check back every other week for brand new episodes of Direct Connect.